Scripture today is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Two, the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Well, good morning. The, the reality of our Christian life as we, as we journey walking with the Lord is that sometimes along the way, we forget who we are. We forget who God has made us to be. We start to, to live in the flesh. We start to sin. And we, we start to walk in that journey, forgetting what God has done in our lives and forgetting that we are children of God. A guy named Hugh Armstrong was in New Hampshire. He was on vacation. And as he was on vacation, he he went out for a walk with his dog and he fell down a ravine and he cracked his head on a rock and he, he passed out. And when he woke up, he had no idea who he was uh, or quite honestly where he was. But he got up, and as he was thinking, he started to think, I feel like I have some family in Asheville, North Carolina, which is a thousand miles away. And so he started walking. A thousand miles to Asheville, North Carolina, thinking that he had some connection along the way. And as he was journeying along the way, he would hitch a ride. He actually even did some odd jobs along the way. And he ends up in Asheville, North Carolina, and he's working there. And then he kind of leaves there. And they find him two weeks later. And he was about 250 miles away at this point from his hometown. And they find him, and he still kind of didn't know who he was or where he was from. And they brought him back home, and and slowly, he's remembering who he is. Sometimes along the way, in our Christian journey, we forget who we are. Sometimes, as we walk in faith, the enemy tries to steal our identity. Tries to take it from us. Have any of you ever had identity theft in this room? Anybody take that? The latest thing is, is Facebook, where all of a sudden these posts will go out, 
and people are using your account to put out all these posts, and a lot of them are really weird and strange, and it's like, so you have to write back, excuse me, this is not me, just want you guys to know I'm not sending this to you. People are stealing identity everywhere. The enemy, we have an enemy who tries to steal our identity. How does he do that? He whispers these lies. You're not a child of God. Look at your sin. If you were a child of God, you, would, you wouldn't sin like that. You're not saved. You're going straight to the pit. Or he whispers these lies like this. If God really loved you, if he really had his hand upon you, you wouldn't be experiencing the pain that you're experiencing today. You wouldn't be going through the, the trials that you're facing. He obviously doesn't care about you. God does not love you. You're not a child of his. If you were a child of his, he wouldn't let you experience this. Along the Christian journey, we sometimes lose our identity, and sometimes the enemy tries to steal that from us. And as we enter into 1 Corinthians, the first nine verses, I think Paul is trying to draw us back to remember exactly who we are. That when Christ invaded our lives and we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, that He transformed us. He made us a new creation, that we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are alive now in Christ. We have eternal life with Him. We have been forgiven our sins. We are indeed children of God. And Paul wants us to remind us along this journey, which gets pretty messy, exactly who we are. Not only who we are individually and what God is doing with us, but I think he's also drawing us to this place of remembering who we are as a church family, the body of Christ. The big theme for all of 1 Corinthians is this, we are the temple of God. We are the temple. It's not about this building, right? We are the people. And we're individuals who are part of this collective bride of Christ. And that God is doing His work in us individually, and He's doing His work in us as a family of Christ together. And that we shouldn't walk this Christian journey alone, but coming along each other's side. Last week, Jackson reminded us, gave us a little history about Corinth, an amazing place. I've been there several times, and it's, it's a place that had incredible commerce, a lot of wealth, and because of the, the wealth and, and the, the trade route through there, there was lots of traffic. Incredible temple prostitution would take place. Sailors get off the boat, and it's like, hey, sailor, come on. The sexual immorality was world-known, the people were an absolute mess. They're worshiping all kinds of Greek gods and goddesses. And in the middle of all of this, you have this, this young church family, young believers in Christ, trying to figure out how in the world do we live in the middle of this? How do we, how do we follow Christ here in this place? Because unfortunately what happened was you know, the, the desire as, as we draw near to God is that we, 
we are in the city. We're, we're, we're with the people reflecting God's love. But the reality of the Corinthian church is that the city had sort of invaded them. And they were just as messy as the city was. And so Paul sends this letter to draw them back and to say, Hey, I need to remind you of who you are. Don't forget what God has called you to. Because you have the love of God that's been poured out into your life. You are a different person transformed by Him. Now let's start to live again back in the power of Christ. It's true for us, Boise, Idaho. Things are messy around us. Things are messy in the church. And so he says, hey, let's draw near to God and remember who we are, individually and collectively as the body of Christ. And what he starts to point out right away in this one little section, nine verses, he starts to point out, hey, God's hand is in the middle of this. Jackson reminded us of that. God started the church. God's doing His work. Jesus Christ is right there with you. He's called you into fellowship. It's Jesus who's at work. And so He draws us in these, in these nine verses right to the heart of the only one, of the only one who can save us, of the only one who can change our lives. And He does it over and over again. In these nine verses, eight times, you see the name of Jesus drawing us back to Him, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, when we're in Sunday school, and the Sunday school teacher asks us a question, and a lot of times we're not totally certain of the answer, but if we raise our hand and we say, Jesus? You know what? 90% of the time you're going to be right. There's kind of the big three, right? God, Bible, Jesus. Use one of those, you're going to get the right answer. I want to take you to Sunday school this morning. We're going to practice this together. I want to see if you can come up with the right answer. All right? And so respond to these questions. Who is the one who calls us into fellowship with Him? Good. Through whom are we sanctified? Don't hesitate. Be strong in your answer. Who gives us grace and peace? Good. Who do we eagerly wait for? Pizza guy. What, Bob? Come on, I know it's Sunday football, but really? Paul is drawing us to Jesus. Right at his feet. Eight times in nine verses. Let's not forget whose hand is at work. God the Father and His Son, Jesus. And He's at work in us. And He's at work in us individually, and He's at work in us as a body of Christ together. And He calls us to that. This is what verse 1 says. Paul, who is called, I am the called one, he says, I have been called by God, it, it has this imagery of being, of being called to a banquet. I want you to have in your mind Thanksgiving. 
and that table that is set out. It's the, it's the imagery of, of not only just being called to the, to the banquet table, but now sharing all of that abundance with others. That's what Thanksgiving's all about, isn't it? Paul says, I am the one who's called to the table. For me in my home, my mother's French, and so we'd have these wonderful Thanksgiving times, but this was the call. She would call us in French. A la table! A la table! It's time to come to the table. That's exactly what Paul heard when God spoke French to him. Come to the table. You are called one to now come and take of my abundance and now to pour it out and invite others to take of the banquet. I am a called one by the will of God. He's very clear about who's doing the work, which is true of all of us. I am a called one by the will of God. It's only because of Him who did His work in my life. I was on the road to Damascus. I was ready to kill a bunch of Christians in Acts chapter 9. I was ready to take them out, and God got a hold of me. And he said, Saul, why are you kicking against me? Jesus says. Do you understand that connection that Jesus makes to his bride, the church? The people who are part of the bride. If you go against me, you go against my beloved. See, they're my children. And Paul, you're not going to kick against them anymore. And I want to tell you, Paul, whose name was Saul at the time, I want to tell you how much I love you and how I want to call you into life. This is a guy who hated God. You don't think God can do work in you? This is a guy who's killing Christians. You don't think God can transform you? Paul recognizes only because of the will of God I have been transformed. And so I write to you, dear Corinthians, as an apostle, one who has been sent out to share this banquet table, I write to you because of the will of God, because of what He has for my life, to speak into your life. And I write also with my brother Sosthenes, this man who we think was the one who, who Jackson talked about in, in Acts 18. Sosthenes, who was a leader of the Jewish synagogue. And unfortunately, he brought up this, this attack against Paul. And as he brought up against the attack against Paul, the Roman council says, Hey, you know what? You are wasting my time. Acts chapter 18. Gallio. You're wasting my time. It's an embarrassment for the Jews. So what do they do? They beat the heck out of Sosthenes. They're like, you're the one who did this. You're the one who did this attack on Paul. Now we stand embarrassed before the Roman council, and, and, and so we're going to beat you up. And so they beat the heck out of him. I think that guy in Acts 18 is this guy. We don't know for sure, but I think it is. And, and the reason I think it is is because of this is because of Paul's teachings all throughout Scripture. Here's what I envision. Sosthenes. Let's kill Paul. Let's kill Paul. Sosthenes, the enemy, the attacker, gets beat up. 
And I can just totally envision Paul, who was saying, let's kill the Christians, before he was transformed, coming alongside this beaten up brother and saying, hey, you know what, man? I was right in the same place. I was right in the same place. Enemy, enemy of God. And he got a hold of my life. And God has taught me over the years, you can see Paul saying this, and he says it in Scripture, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. He can't understand it, is what it's saying. It's like, ah, why is he showing kindness when I'm his enemy? Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. How's that going for you? What's that look like at work with an employee or a boss who's really treating you poorly? Are you thinking in your brain, how can I get back? How can I attack? Or are you letting God's transformative power who changed you start to show kindness to basically your enemy? What about your neighbor? What about maybe even your spouse who's become your enemy and your marriage is struggling? You see, Paul is saying, hey, we come in and God is at work with us individually and with us in the body and he's doing transformative work to restore us and to conform us into his image. And when we offer that love of Christ to others, when we invite them to that banquet table, when they thought there's no way in heck you, my enemy, would invite me to this banquet table, it allows God to transform their lives. Sosthenes was definitely known to the Corinthians, and Paul includes him into the picture. He says, I'm writing to you guys. You know your brother Sosthenes. This isn't just... This isn't just me, Paul, saying, hey, what's going on, gang? We're coming in together. We're, we're, we're wanting to shepherd together. And you know your brother, Sosthenes, and you know how he cares about you. When I left, he stuck with you guys. And here's the deal that I think is kind of beautiful about this picture, and I think it's the way we should, should do this. Here's the reality. The Corinthian church is an absolute mess. Absolute mess. Inside and out. They, they don't know which way is up. They are just living in the flesh. They're just doing their own gig. You know, and it's kind of like everything's falling apart. They're not holding on to the Lord. They're just kind of thrashing each other. And if you sin, it's like, hey, Matt, I'll make sure you know your sin and everybody's going to know about it. Did you want to tell us? No. You know, it's... It's just a mess. But here's what Paul, along with Sosthenes, does. And this is what I believe good shepherds do. They enter into the mess. They enter into the mess. And, and he doesn't do it alone. Paul doesn't come in and just say, hey, this is just what I think of you, and this is what's going on, and, and you guys are awful. He comes in with tenderness and grace, but he comes in with a brother, which I think is always wise, let me give you another set of eyes here just so we can talk about this situation. And he enters in. 
Because again, this whole book of Corinthians is like, hey, things are falling off course. You guys are forgetting your identity. You're forgetting who God has you to be. We want to draw in and enter into the mess, which is hard to do, isn't it? And as a body of Christ that we need to do with each other. There's so many shepherds out there who really shouldn't be shepherds. You want to know why? Because as soon as things get messy, they're like, well, I don't want to deal with that. And so we as shepherds here, pastors, we don't enter into the mess pretending that we're above you. We come alongside. And I think you'll find typically that we try to do that together. To give counsel and wisdom. And to realize, you know what? We're messy together. We pastors are messy. But we have a Savior who's forgiven us also. But we do this together. And Paul enters in and he says, Hey, I've got my brother Sosthenes. He loves you. I love you. And I'm writing to you guys because we've got to deal with some things. But let me remind you first of who you are. And let me remind you of God's hand in the middle of all of this. Because you've forgotten. And so I write to the church at Corinth. I write to the church of God at Corinth. You know, even that simple statement, sometimes we lose our identity because we forget that. Oh yeah, this is God's church. Oh yeah, He is the one who created it. He's the one who's at work here. He's the one who sent His powerful Holy Spirit to do His work in our midst. Oh yeah, it's God's church. The reason we forget that is because we got churches all over the place with all these crazy names. They're not bad. They're just, it's like, where, where are we developing all these names from? And you go, I'm, not, I'm just looking for a church where God's in the middle of it. I don't understand. What, what's this church? You ever, just, you ever just look at the yellow pages? I mean, just in Boise, Idaho. See what the churches are? Have you guys done that? I'll just name a few. And again, they're, they're good churches, good church families. But they just have different names. Bridgepoint, Pursuit, Calvary, Vineyard, First Baptist, Second Baptist, Eustick Baptist, Foothills, Grace Chapel, Boise Unitarian Universalist, The Journey, Life Church, St. John, St. Mary's, The Summit, River City, Cold Community Church. You ever get people go, Cold Community Church? What's that all about? That's not very inviting. You know, it's also another reason why you should never name your church after a street. You know, it's just like... People are lost. They just don't get it. I tried to show up to Cold Community Church. It wasn't there. It's like, it's the church of God. It's God's hand in us, in this messy church. We are a bunch of broken people, and all we're doing is we're trying to follow God together. Because it's His church. And He's the one who's doing the work in our lives and in us collectively. So we just tell people that. I'm part of the church of God. It happens to meet over here on Eustick and Maple Grove. No, it's not coal. I'm sorry. I write to this beautiful church and I want you to realize who you are. And look at these incredible words. These words to me in verse 2 are just a reminder of, of God's incredible love for us, of what God is doing in us individually as we sin, as we fall short, as we are messy, and what He's doing in us as a church family. So to this church that's living in sexual immorality, that's destroying each other with words and debate and, you know, accusing each other of what their sin is when they don't take a look at their own selves, he says, listen, here's your identity. To those at Corinth, sanctified, sanctified, you are 
sanctified in Christ Jesus. You are called to be his holy people, together with those everywhere who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. I mean, this really has, this is like the Christians, the Christians in, in, in Corinth had to be originally coming out of Texas. Because this is the way Paul addresses them. He says this, You all, you all are saints. Y'all are sanctified. Sanctified has the same beautiful word as holy. It's hagios. It's this holiness about you that God has, has called you. And it means to be set apart. But not only just set apart over here. Not only set apart, but it's set into. Set into the life of Jesus Christ and His life and yours. Do you understand that? You are called... You are sanctified. You are set apart and placed into Christ. And because of His power in you, because He's living His life through you, there is a movement and a reminder of who you are as a person. You are holy before God. You know, here's what's true, gang. We sin. We sin often. And sometimes we say, we are sinners! You know what, that's not how God views us. That's not how God views us. He views us as sinners in need of a Savior. He views us as sinners who need to repent. But when we stand before God in eternity, He doesn't say, oh, you're sinners. He says, you're washed. You're beautiful. You're cleansed before me. You truly are. And the way God views you today, you're holy. You're holy. You all are saints, truly, before Christ. You are saints. Except that guy right there. But other than that, we're doing pretty good. You know, again, sometimes we just get so... And again, it doesn't mean that we don't deal with our sin because God wants us to. But we get so, we get so stuck in our, in our sin where we don't, oh, God has redeemed this and God, God can deliver me from this and God has made me to be holy, to live in righteousness, to follow Him and that He's given me the strength to do so. And He wants to remind you because sometimes along the way we forget who we are. And Paul's calling us back. Yeah, I know your ugly sin but you're my child. You're my child. And I want you now to live in the power of Christ and my Holy Spirit. I want you now to live in obedience to me in holiness. I am doing that work in you. Let me do the work God is saying to us. Because so many times we put up that wall. Thanks God for trying to you know, do your work on me, but I don't want anything to do with it. Paul is calling his people back. Look at who you are. You are sanctified, set apart. You, you, you are redeemed. You are rescued. You are rescued. Why can this group go out in the power of Christ? You know how sinful these people are? I know. And they know. They can go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they've been transformed. And they've been forgiven and they've been redeemed, and they know that they are holy. 
and set apart unto Christ. And not only do they know that, they know that as a body of Christ, we go out set apart unto him. We are placed in him. It's that beautiful image of the Israelites coming out in Exodus 19. If you fully obey me, if you keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. And although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me. Look who we will be. He's speaking to the Israelites, but it's a reminder for us. A kingdom of priests, you will be a holy nation. So speak these words to the Israelites. He says, don't forget, you are called to these things. Paul says, I'm called to be an apostle. Tag, you're it. You're called to be holy and sanctified. God has invited you to the banquet table and you have supped with God and now let him transform your life so that we might be a holy people individually and collectively as the body of Christ. You shall be holy, God says in Leviticus 19, because I, your God, am holy. And the reason we can be holy is because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Do we sin along the way? We do. But we are being conformed, we are being refined, We're being transformed and conformed into his image. Christ is making us like himself. And that work never stops. That sanctification, that's one of those Christian words that just means God is continually growing us up and making us into his image and and giving us who he is so that we might live it out. That's relationship with our Lord Jesus. This is your identity. You're beautiful. You are saints. This is what it means to have the name Christensen. That we are followers of Jesus Christ and we will live out that name in obedience to our Savior because we've been redeemed. I think the question for all of us, individually, and again, this is so much for the body of Christ, but we make up the body of Christ. Is your life, has your life been set apart unto Christ? Are you allowing him to do that work in your life? Because he's, he's doing it. He's the one who's done the initial transformation. Now he's wanting to grow you up and to, to let you enjoy all of who he is. Is your life, as you walk in obedience, is it set apart unto Christ Jesus? Do people know when, when you come into a room with your employees, as, as you step into your office, as you come with your friends, when people rub shoulders with you, do they go, ah, there's something different about you. There's something that I can't get a hold of, but it's good. And there's something that, that is, has life about you. You know, I know at college, right, this is tough. You're surrounded by people just doing whatever the heck they want all the time. And to, to again, have, have reputation and, and trying to, to fit into that place. You know, are you setting your life apart for Christ? For all of us, really. 
I th I've told you this story before, and I'm going to tell it to you again, just because I don't have any other illustrations, so I just, you know, dig deep. Now, I, I tell you the story again because it's, it's one of those stories that, um, that really transformed me as a young person. I was, I was uh, 17 years old, and I was uh, assistant manager for Roundtable Pizza. And I would have my buddies come and give them free pizza all the time, you know. And my one buddy, Kirk Kleinen, Kirk, Kirk and I pretty much grew up together. We played from elementary school on through high school, and we did sports together, and he was just my bud. But 17 years old, I invite him over for pizza when I have my break, and we're having pizza together. And, and I invite him to come to this, uh, this fifth quarter party with my church, which was over in Palo Alto, so 45 minutes away from my hometown of Half Moon Bay. And when I invite him over and say, hey, we're going to do this thing with our church, and uh, it's really cool, it's going to be a Chuck E. Cheese, which was cool at the time, you know. Uh, everybody who was a teenager went to Chuck E. Cheese. Things have changed, obviously. Or I was just a real nerd, one or the other. I love the Skeeter ball thing. No. Um, but I invited him over, and, and he looked me dead face, dead face, guy I spent a lot of time with. And he said, Rod, I didn't know you were a Christian. And it was just like, oh, wow. Has my life so blended in? Has my life been so much like my culture that I live in that even one of my closest buddies has no sense that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ? I hadn't walked away from God. I hadn't rebelled against Him. I hadn't said I'm not going to be a Christian. I just wasn't allowing God to do His transformative work in my life because I wanted to be popular. Because I wanted to fit in. I didn't want to make waves. Paul says, you've been set apart. Your life is now Christ. You no longer... Own yourself. He owns you. You are bought with a price. And what a beautiful price to give us life. And so our lives are meant to be different. Our lives are meant to show God's love. Our lives are to reflect all that's going on. This is your identity. You are a child of God. Would your life reflect that invitation to the banquet table so that people would be able to taste and see how good God is? And what Paul says is this. This isn't, just, this isn't just for you. He says, open your eyes. There's such a bigger picture. I call you and I remind you of who you are, not only individually, but to all of those who call upon the name of the Lord. All of those who call and have surrendered their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. All of those who have said, Lord, you are my Savior and my Lord. And I call upon you to live out your life through me. Father, do your work. Get the bigger picture, Paul says. It's for all of us 
to remember what we are, that there's more than just what's happening in Boise, Idaho, in your daily lives individually. God is doing a work. And it's His hand upon us. And He's, he's doing radical change in hearts. I was reminded of this when I went to Taiwan recently with this beautiful team of ours. I wanted to show you a few pictures. These are people all the way across the world who are in love with Jesus Christ. Students who are receiving Jesus here. That we are praying over. This was the, the group that we ministered with and to in Taiwan at the camp. Arms wrapped around. Look at this. This is the joy of our brotherhood and sisterhood in Christ with these Christians, those who call on the name of Jesus Christ, all the way across the world, saying, Lord, I want to walk in You. I want to live in You. I want to follow Your way. I want to be reminded that I am holy and that I am Your child. See, you've got to understand something. Things are messy in Taiwan, too. People are struggling with a faith journey there, just like we are here. But if you think this faith journey is just about you, you need to open up your eyes. Because God's a God of relationship, right? God's a God of His church, which is not just Cole Community Church. It's all those who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that we come along beside each other and like Paul did, hey, let's keep walking this journey together. Because you are called and you are sanctified and you are a saint. And when you fail, I need to remind you that there is a God who redeems that and wants to help you keep walking. And that's the thing that's the joy of the body of Christ as we do that together. Because you know as well as I how messed up we are. But God says, you're my beautiful child. That's an amazing thing to me. And I hope gives you encouragement along the journey. He's so thankful for this church. Grace and peace to my dear church. They needed it. They needed God's unmerited favor, verse 3. God's grace was given to them. And that's what Paul is thankful for. You know what? They were a tough family. Do you have one of those tough relatives that like, it's hard to find good things to say about them? Do you have some people like that? That's the way it was with the Corinthian church. I'm not quite sure what to say good about them. But you know what's beautiful? God reminds Paul. Hey, Paul, here's what's good about them. I've poured my grace out upon them. Paul, just like I poured my grace out upon you, and just like he's done for you and me, right? I've poured my grace out. And so Paul says, I am so thankful for that. Because God's work is in your life. And God has given you, not only has He poured out grace and beauty, God has given you every spiritual blessing. He's given you incredible gifts. He has enriched you, the Scriptures say, in all of your utterances, in all of your speaking and in your knowledge of the Lord. You've got to understand something in Greece. In Greece, you know what the big deal was? That's what they do. They stand on the steps of a temple... Big steps, wide, where lots of people could gather. And they would philosophize about life. And they would debate. And it would go on for hours. And that was the thing that was held in most high esteem. 
And the Lord says, hey, and Paul says, listen, God has, has come right into that, and he's enriched you in those areas so that you could speak forth the real truth. It's God who's doing the work again. Did we forget what's the answer? Jesus. Jesus. Who's doing the work? Jesus. Who's giving you the gifts? Our Lord. And God pours them out. This messy church. The problem with the church of Corinth, and sometimes we get this way, and you know, we had it, you know, even in Taiwan, it's like, here's what happens. You get sort of prideful in your gifts, or you start to get jealous of other people's gifts, and God's saying, hey, hey, knock it off. I've enriched you, you individuals and as a body of Christ, I've enriched you to use your gifts. And he does that. And sometimes, you know, in Taiwan, I'd watch other people, and I'm, gosh, it's just like, Molly Nesbitt, I mean, I, I, I covet every gift she has. I mean, she, Molly, she had a picture of her. She, this, Molly Nesbitt walks into a room, and it's like, people just come and like, just come under her wing. I mean, I, she didn't even have to say anything. It's just like, the Lord just walked in the room, come and, and tuck under my arms. Just beautiful. I was jealous as all get out. I'm like, how does she do that? God's saying, hey, I enriched you in these things. I've given it to you. Use the gifts. It's for the body of Christ. Don't get jealous. They became prideful for these people. But let me just wrap up with this. And we can't lose sight of the big picture. Sight of the big picture is this. God's hand is at work in us individually. Bigger picture in us corporately as a church family. Bigger picture in us as a church all across the world. And he's doing his work in us as we're messy along the way. And he's reminding us that he's with us. And he's reminding us that he's going to help us get through it all. And he's reminding us that, you know what, even when you sin greatly and you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not worthy to even call myself a Christian son, he's saying, oh yeah, you are, because you're my child. Look at these final two verses, verse 8 and 9. He will, here's the promise of the Lord, he will also keep you firm, strong, to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you feel like, how can I make the next day? He's saying, hey, I have your life. You're my beautiful child. You're my beautiful bride. I keep you strong. And the final verse, because God is faithful. We are not. We are not. God is. Who's doing the work? God is. Who won't break his covenant with us? God will not. God is faithful. And he will keep us, the ones who has called into fellowship, koinonia with his son Jesus Christ, our Lord. What God is saying there, and you just need to understand this, because the text is this. It's plural when he's saying God will keep you strong. It's plural when God is faithful to you, it's plural. 
He's speaking of his whole bride, his whole bride. But the reality is we're individuals who are part of this church family. So he speaks it to you individually. God is strong. He will keep you going. God is the one who is faithful. He will walk through you with it. And then he speaks to us as his bride. God will do these things for us. Because you know what? We're messy together. But he will hold us together and keep us running this race in Christ Jesus. Because we are his children. And we are saints set apart unto him. Amen? Father, we, we ask for your forgiveness when we lose our way. Father, when we forget who we are sometimes. And Lord Jesus, I just pray for this dear family here, individually and for us together as a church family, that you would use your word this morning to remind us of who we are. We thank you, Father, that you've forgiven us, and we thank you that you have redeemed us, and that you hold us firm, that you keep us strong. And Father, that you are faithful in our lives. When we thought there's no hope and how can we keep going, you remind us this morning that you are the one doing the work. And so, Father, we invite you together this morning that you would do your work. Father, break down any walls that we're putting up. And, Lord, do your sanctifying work in us that we would be children of God, holy and blameless, before you. In your beautiful and precious name, in your saving grace, we pray. Amen.